Paul, welcome to Boss. Hello, thanks for having me. Boss is my amazing executive interview series on LinkedIn. I interview my incredible network to help others learn, network, and pay it forward. My name is Paul Canetti, that part you got. I am a professor at Columbia Business School. I teach in the business school on all things tech and product related user experience. We got to know each other through my time in executive education, teaching with General Assembly. I now have my own exec ed company called New Tech Business School. I also run a startup called Allos, which is a FinTech meets Web3 startup. And I run a small VC firm and do investing and advising for startups. That's amazing. I feel like when I need to get smarter in the tech product and user experience space, you're the right person, right? That's, that's the hope. My, my little tagline is I will make you nerdier. That's why people come to me because they want to be nerdier. Amazing. And you already touched on how we met. We worked together a lot when I was at General Assembly on a variety of different upskilling and reskilling things with a lot of enterprise clients. It was a great time. You know, those companies would fly us out to God knows where for like a half a day to do, you know, one of these trainings, whereas now so much of that is over Zoom. It's just not the same. And thankfully it does have impact, but I, I still, as a proclaimed extrovert, I also really enjoy the the in real life part of it, though I do host boss on, on zoom. So it's, <laughs> well, there are advantages of course, and, and it's much more flexible and it's easier to get people. But I always say like all the good stuff happens in the hallway mm -hmm. and there's no hallways on zoom. That's the problem. The hallways, the coffee machine, just walking yes, around the elevator. That's, yeah. that's where it's all happening. Take it back a little bit. Like, how did you, how did you get to where you are? Today, you've done a lot of really interesting things up until this point. And where did your boss network really come from? I took sort of a, a weaving road. I know, you know, used to be at Viacom. You may or may not know this about me, but I had a couple of music videos on VH1 and MTV no back way. in the day when I was the lead singer of a band called Love and Logic. And that's what I thought I was going to do with my life. If you had asked me, in high school, college, in my early twenties, what are you going to be when you grow up? It's like, I'm going to, you know, be singing in a band. That's like what I was meant to do. And tech was always something I was passionate about and loved sort of nerding out on, but I didn't think of it as a career. In fact, it was something that I did on the side to make money. And then at some point there was sort of a crossfade where the tech stuff started to take over as the main dish and the music stuff sort of became the side dish and it flipped and it turns out it is easier to make money in tech than in music. And uh, then that led to my first company called Mads, which uh, probably when we first met was, was the company that I was building at the time, which was a platform for developing apps for media companies. So all the big media news companies, Bloomberg, Forbes, Business Insider, Politico and many more used our software to build their apps. And this is when the app store was like something novel and new. And so the thing I always really sort of find myself wanting to do when it comes to tech and my career since then is trying to figure out like, what is that next thing? Like what's sort of on the bleeding edge and how can I help other companies sort of get there, like take advantage of it. So if I'm like sort of peering over the cliff, you know, I can give everyone the heads up 
And so now I think about that a lot with blockchain technology with my new company, Allos. Obviously, there's all this stuff happening in AI and there's things on the horizon with augmented reality. Those are the things I really like to think about is where is it all going? Um, and as far as being a musician, sadly, that now is something that really only my children get to enjoy. But the performance of being on stage, I feel like that's what I love about teaching. So that's sort of my, my one, two punch is like, I like to build stuff. That's the tech side. And I like to perform as it turns out, I didn't know this, but, but I've learned that performing is what gets my juices flowing. I, I don't like to talk to a brick wall. I like to meet people, learn about them and express myself that way. That's really smart. And when you think about it, I mean, you've founded many companies now, right? And so founders have to be the immediate best salesperson at yes. the and sell that vision and problem you're solving and tech and all the things. And so I imagine that's a very useful skill for anybody watching as well. Everything is sales. I mean, it so happens when you're founding a company, you're the only salesperson. So, you know, you also happen to be the best, but you're not just selling to potential customers, you're selling to investors, you're selling to your early employees. I mean, nobody has any good reason that they should want to work with you. You have to convince them. And I had a great investor early on that said, you know, if your product was good enough or cheap enough, you wouldn't need salespeople. And that the job of the salesperson is to convince someone to do something that's not intrinsically obvious. And so, so I think about that a lot, like, you know, you're always sort of swimming against the current when you're doing sales and you're trying to sort of convert people to your cause, whatever that is, not in a deceitful way or a malicious way, but, but through education, right? It's like, like, well, you probably think that this other way is the right thing to do or, or the right product to buy or, or the right way to do it. But like, I'm going to let you in on a little secret and actually blah, blah, blah. Great advice. Um, so in your opinion... What do you think are the biggest problems or pain points that MarTech marketing leaders, CMOs are, are facing today? And, and what are the opportunities too? As, as a marketing professor, like I'm in the marketing department and there's this very academic view on things. And then I meet with marketing teams out of the classroom and there's really a disconnect because the things that marketers feel like they should be working on, in my opinion, they should have been working on 10 years ago. You know, digital transformation, mobile strategy, using analytics and making data-driven decisions, like all these sort of, you know, um, jargony things. Yes, I suppose if you haven't done any of those things yet, like you should get your house in order. But in my opinion, those aren't the things that really are gonna drive your business from this point forward. Like it's 2023. And you have to be thinking about what is going to occur over the next five, 10 years, rather than how can I get good at the things that made successful companies successful over the last five or 10 years? It's stressful and overwhelming for marketing executives because they're underwater. You know, you come in, you're a new CMO, you say, I'm going to, you know, rip down the wallpaper and turn this place around. And then you realize like you have such a backlog of stuff, but Sometimes it's almost better to declare like marketing bankruptcy and just say, you know, I don't know what all that is, but 
like, here's how we're going to do it going forward. And for a new company that was starting a marketing organization today, like you can do it in a relatively lightweight way. Things are so much easier now. There's so many off the shelf tools and it's easy to spin up a CRM. It's easy to spin up analytics. It's easy to spin up even, you know, personalization engines, like things that really, really were laborious and, and expensive before. It, it depends on the situation, but that's often my advice. It's like, I don't know, have you been messing with chat GPT at all? I have. Right? Like I'm asking it to write marketing copy all day and it's good for like sort of initial ideas or like I need alliteration or a pun about, you know, whatever, like, but it's, it's flat, like really great marketers can, can create a connection with their audience through the use of branding and copy and imagery and video. And sometimes it's really just about breaking through with your message, you know? So there's a lot of like technocrats, I feel like that have made their way into marketing teams. And I probably am one of them, but I think really, really great marketing is much more about like the human connection with your your audience at the end of the day and, and less about those tools. There's a lot happening in the tech industry right now. There's been, unfortunately, a lot of tech and startup layoffs that are impacting people, businesses, friends. How do you think about that? It's a really, it's a really difficult time for a lot of people, you know, because you can sort of take two lenses here, at least I do you know, from the lens of the company, there's probably a realization like we overspent here. We hired too many people and we have too many perks. You know, those growth engines are slowing down a bit and they're realizing that they were sort of over their skis and okay, fine. But from the employee perspective, from the human perspective, it really is just such a strong demonstration of how people are not valued at their companies. And there's a sense that you are valued, but you're not. There's a sense that you are secure, but you're not. Uh, and the question is, what do you do with that information, you know? And uh, that's an uncomfortable truth. You know, people have told me my whole career that I'm being risky by being an entrepreneur, by leaving my job at Apple and starting companies or I actually left to sing in a band. So it's even worse. I'm not saying that that's not risky, but I don't see it as inherently riskier. Nobody can fire me. You know, if I'm not making enough money, I can myself like put my foot on the gas and make it happen. Whereas if you're a cog in a wheel at a big company and their revenues down, even if you're in a revenue generating position, like you as an individual you just can't affect the outcome that much. You're completely at the mercy of the corporation. And so that doesn't mean everyone should go to start a company. That's not necessarily good advice either, but it's, it's a sobering time to just sort of say like, you know what? I need to think a little bit more seriously about hedging my bets, about creating a plan B. One thing you'll commit to do in 2023 to help pay it forward. I am trying to meet with more and more startups, even if that startup is one single person and trying to see how I can help or encourage them to just keep swimming. Finally, anything else that you want to say or share with me to close out this amazing LinkedIn boss interview? 
Oh, this is fun. You know this better than anybody, but just another unsolicited piece of advice is really just keep your network strong. Thank you. Everyone should watch, comment, share. Till next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks so much.